Happy New Year, Bob Happy Harris. Year. Happy New Year to you, Matt Waldman. We start again, uh, season mostly behind us, I guess, the, yeah. at least the regular season. Hey, we're, we're still playing. Like, it's week 18. There's people who are going to have to play. Some people did not have the good sense to uh, limit their activities through week 17, at least in their season-long leagues. And if you didn't, I hope it's like a two-week championship so you can alleviate some of the heartache and the thousand natural shocks. Your flesh will be air too uh, in week 18, <laughs> but nobody you need to play plays. Or so is this, is this a big, nice version of fuck you if you got a week 18 league? And we'll true. see you next yes. year. I believe that's true. But okay. also, no, this is because it's DFS time for me. I mean, this yeah. is when I lock in and, man, I have a handful of uh, GPP tournament lottery tickets with me as I watch every uh, slate on the weekends uh, going forward. Um, it's one of my favorite. This is really my favorite time of the year. I, you know, we watch football differently. I watch, you know, games. When I watch games, I'm watching them quickly and I'm not like, you know, paying attention. I, when I watch on Sundays, I'm watching Red Zone. So I'm, you know, watching box scores basically. Uh, live action box scores and and it's great and i love it for you know in season and then you know when you're writing during the week you're watching the game pass stuff on uh, i am on the app and usually watching the abbreviated games while you're sitting there studying the coaching film or something yeah uh, more erudite than i uh and uh and i'm just like i'm writing and i'm looking and i'm trying but when the postseason hits i can sit here and i can you like oh wow it's a game there's strategies there's an ebb and there's a flow and there are are things being set up that like i do notice like I, there are certain coaches that that i you know where i expect it from i think matt lafleur this year by the way just done a great job of setting up opponents with his play calling others do as well but i mean he, he, he's really noticeable to me but i i see way more of that uh as we hit the postseason because one at a time wow imagine that what a novel concept consuming games one game at a time yeah it's it's odd for for recent years i've actually kind of missed watching the playoffs which I I watch the season all year, and then once like week 17's over, I tend to be like, okay, I'm watching college film like all the time at any free moment, and then uh, and then I may tune into the Super Bowl or into the champion the NFC or AFC championship games. I've kind of I've been kind of um, missing the best of the NFL over the past couple of years um, as a result of my schedule. But I hope that I'll get a chance to to do a little bit more and, you know, playoff watching, um, you know, this year, if not next, because I do miss that. That's one of my favorite times of year for that. But, you know, speaking of playoffs, you know, Brock playoffs. Purdy. Yeah, playoffs. So Brock Purdy next year, do we look at him redraft and say, would you take him over C.J. Stroud, who seems to be everybody's hot property of, like, he's already near elite. And then Brock Purdy, the, the, the thought is he's a game manager who's not really elite. So are you would you take Brock Purdy over C.J. Stroud in redraft next year if, if you were one to take a quarterback in the mid-rounds? <clears throat> I think it's so close between them as players and you know as we're looking at it let's say we were looking at it at points you know, on a points per game basis it's about 18 and a half points per each i think i would be investing in the associated bits the ancillary pieces the, the supporting cast and so there would probably be a slight lean for me to purdy i don't think there's a wrong answer here if anyone sat there and said oh no i'm doing cj strauss well you know what's your bad so course fucking cj stroud kicks ass and he does and he has a good supporting cast we'll see if take dell is back uh, guess what what what's the common denominator here matt waldman <laughs> the scheme <laughs> yep. right 
it's the offense it's their you know like like i'm not calling them game managers or you know but they're playing in a scheme that highlights what they do and makes great use of the supporting cast i mean there's there's plenty to like about both of them i will say the san francisco version of that offense all due respect to bobby slowick there in houston he he's brought it over but the guy who put it all together is still sitting there in uh in san francisco uh pulling the strings and yeah. I'm doing like the puppet master thing. If you're just listening to this on the audio, I'm doing some kind of crazy uh, puppeteer thing. So there you have it. That's that's where we're at. I'm slightly to Purdy. If I lost out on him, I would be chasing down Stroud. And if I was a Stroud guy ahead of him, I would be chasing down Purdy for all those reasons. Yeah, see, I thought that was finger guns that you were doing at me. And I was like, what was that? Yeah, there we go. But <laughs> more like typing, more like typing hands. But, uh, but, uh, but listen, you know, I'm with you on this. Um, I think for me, it's more about safety versus risk. And I would I would argue that Purdy's a slightly safer because he's had more games for us to see. I, and yeah. he's when he has a bad week, he seems to overcome it the next week. He seems to rebound, yeah. which is a good sign. Whereas with Stroud, I anticipate that that will probably happen. And he's going to have Tank Dell back. If Tank Dell can stay healthy, that'll be good. And he seems to be—he seems to have done a good job with the, the, the surrounding talent he has, which I would say is not on the level of San Francisco's talent. It is not. I mean, so, I, don't, I don't think anyone would make yeah. that argument either. I mean, yeah. I love all those guys. They all seem fantastic. Yet none of them are Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, or George Kittle. Yeah, exactly. And so from that perspective, really, Purdy to me is the guy that's—it's safer. But either way, you could formulate strategies with either quarterback sure. and get the most out of it by who you, what you're picking around them. So I think right. I think I think the real the real story here is is uh, if if people are diving in on the Jalen Hurts Josh Allen, uh, don't I'm yeah leave Patrick Mahomes out of this conversation for the moment. Uh, calm your jet, cool your jets. That's what my dad would say. Cool your jets, kid. Yep, exactly. exactly. I just sounded just like my dad. That was amazing. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it. I, you know, considering that guy still probably toting bales of hay everywhere. Probably, he, you know, 100% I, I, is. I, I'm, to I'm totally feeling old. your dad from a distance. I'll just put it that way. Um, <laughs> Jordan Love over Patrick Mahomes in redraft last year. Are you feeling that? <clears throat> or this the next cojones year? that would require, right? So yeah. I am you know, was having a conversation with our buddy Sigma Bloom on the uh, X device today. Uh, we are commented, you know, and I'm a big divorce the name from the numbers guy. Yeah, huge on that. That is, I think, that's the key to success. Let go of the narratives you created to draft players quickly. If those narratives aren't coming to pass, divorce the name from the numbers, logic over emotion, all those things. It would require the immensity of Stone to uh, draft Jordan Love over Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, there's an easy avenue here. People are probably still going to draft Patrick Mahomes ahead of Jordan Love. So just wait it out, kids. Uh, we do have a tendency to draft the last thing we saw, and so we haven't seen the end of Patrick Mahomes or Jordan Love. So we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, but I do think uh, I do think people will probably still invest in Mahomes. There's, you know, mm, I would like if I was sitting here now, I think I would rather have Love at a cheaper price. I think that's where that's where I'd sit at. If he's going more expensive, I'd probably be perfectly yeah. fine having Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the lesson here really is is what we talk about every year. Which is, you know, JJ Zacharyson's late round quarterback um, stance. What which, comes around goes around. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, really, it's it's a good idea that.
basically the the gap is so narrow in points that why are you going to go for one of these top guys unless your scoring system is really specific towards what they do well and it's separate and there and it creates more separation than what we see in most leagues so yeah i would take jordan love over patrick mahomes and redraft next year if that means i'm leaving patrick mahomes in the early round and choosing to take jordan love later but that's but the way the question's phrased is are you taking him ahead of him in adp wise and the answer is no i still trust mahomes to to rebound and have a he's earned enough equity over his first five years in the league to say yeah maybe he hasn't been playing as well in recent weeks or this year with the team that he's got around him but let's not uh let's not go overboard here yeah i think uh, yes Value value the price is right. The the price is the determining factor. I will say though though if somebody is going to go ahead and go in on on Allen and uh, and Hurts, I mean they they did have the you know they had the the, the little bit of separation. I'm not going to be doing that, but I would get it if somebody did that. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that, and I'll be yeah. happy when they're sadly disappointed and I crush them in fantasy title. Yeah, games. yeah. See, because at that point I would just say. Why not just take Anthony Richardson later? I think That's, he could very well be a top 12, come on, man. 12 you're quarterback like, next year, right? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes, you're you're speaking my love language. You might as well whisper that in my ear, sir. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yes. I mean, all, everything that we talked about, Anthony Richardson, I mean, you may have been the initial uh, salesman, but I closed the deal on myself because I have eyes and I can watch a player. And uh, not necessarily studying film or, uh, you know, and you articulate it much better than I do do in terms of, you know, how he has to learn like a new language, basically. And and, and, in time, you know, all this will come together for him. I just watched him play and I said, yeah, I want a bunch of that. And I still want a bunch of that. Here's what I hope. And I'm going to excuse me while I climb onto my soapbox. There I am. Um, So you look at Tua Tongavaloa and the injury issues he had. And so quarterbacks are significant investment. Uh, seeing what the Miami Dolphins did with him, I'm hoping other teams copy, whether it's a jujitsu expert or some kind of person who can help you mitigate the risks associated with the kind of abuse a quarterback takes. We see MMA fighters, we see boxers take punches right in their freaking nose every damn day, right? That's their job. They, they understand how to move and flow and fall. And that's what Tua learned this year doing the jujitsu. He learned how to fall because banging your head on the ground. Well, saw Anthony Richardson do that as well. Putting some investment. If teams aren't doing that, I think they're going to be uh, sued for malpractice by me, Bob Harris, Esquire. Um, fuck them. Uh, I hope they all put a little investment. You're putting a quarter of, you know, in, in Patrick Mahomes' case, you've got a half a billion dollars of your future on the line with a guy. You might as well invest a little bit of money in to help him stay healthy. I hope they do that with Anthony Richardson. Climbing off my soapbox, yes, top 12 value next year. Yeah, I'll just make it this simple. You know, I've explained as much as you, you described, you know, and all all last year through, you know, early this year. I'll just say, if you want a simple example of what Anthony Richardson, why he's that value, you could sum it up by watching what he did with um, Aaron Donald wrapped around him um, on a play against the Rams and watch Aaron Donald just shake his head in bewilderment that this happened and be pissed off if you can bewilder Aaron Donald um in the way that he did that's enough for me so Raheem Mostert he was a he's running back two 
in PPR leagues this year. 31-year-old, <laughs> I'm always injured, Raheem Mostert. 18 touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins. We're not even going to say, is he a running back one no. value next year? That's the easy question. Everyone's going to say no. But is he running back two value next year? Are you, are you, would you even, you know, would you take him as maybe your third or fourth running back thinking that, oh, I can get running back two value for him while he's here? Or are we all trying to be too wise about this guy who probably is going to be giving it up to Devon HN um, next year, you know, and he's going to be in like the Jeff Wilson role at best in what we saw from Wilson yesterday. Yeah, if everybody is taking Devon Achan early, and everybody will be, people just will, I'll, I'll be taking the cheap shares of Raheem Mostert. And if it's cheap as, like, last year cheap was 10th round, 11th round, uh, Achan probably going a round or two ahead of him. People were investing in him in the best balls I was in slightly ahead. Uh, if Raheem Mostert is the cheaper piece, this is the Bob Harris tactic. I take the cheaper piece of just about any committee situation, and it, 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 it pays off a lot this year. This year in particular, said Raheem Mostert, Gortland Sutton, you name it. There are any number of second fiddle guys who uh, ended up outproducing the players that were perceived to be ahead of them. In Mostert's case, I mean, the system, the scheme, you mentioned the injuries. I think people like will be worried about that. They'll remember the end of the season if they had a title game. Raheem Mostert wasn't there for them, right? And they'll say, ah, see, I told you, he's always hurt. Injury agnosticity is the way people fuck all this worried about who's getting hurt and who's not getting hurt. They're all getting hurt. Every fucking one of them is going to be hurt, right, at some point. Yep. So if you're going to draft and adjust strategies based on that, you're thinking about it in the wrong way. You're, you should be thinking about how am I going to cover for their loss when it happens because it's inevitable. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so, yeah, I think I'll be in on Mostert as a value RB2 next year. I think he might even be lower. You know how people are. Yeah, I would say that's like Raheem Mostert's like the spouse that is like there for you all the way through, and then like they get sick, and and you're the you're the asshole who decides that you're gonna leave them because they got sick, you know, like that's you know, and some people will probably take great offense to that, but like I look at it as you don't think about it that way. Well, when they get sick, I just you know, I, I don't know if I even want to have this life with them because they got sick. You know, instead, I think maybe it's like you get the most out of what you, you know, what they have to offer and what you're going to get out of this relationship. And then if that happens, you cross that bridge when you come to it and do the best that you can with it. Now, I, I know that was a poor comparison, really. Fuck that comparison. That's really a bad comparison right there. But yeah, take Raheem Mostert and get him for, get what you can out of him rather than worry about it. I think. On the cheap. Yeah, exactly. And guess what? If Jeff Wilson Jr. is still around, I will have some 20th round shares of him as well. Yeah, exactly. Though, you know, and I'll still be looking at Christopher Brooks. But anyway, yeah. Kyron Williams. Is he really a running back one value next year? Are you drafting him as your running back one in redraft leagues after what he's done this year? I am. Look I at am. you. Look at you. <laughs> or, or should I say, maybe I am and maybe I am. Uh, so, uh, so yes, look, this is one of the lessons every year I come away from these teaching learnable seasons with new, uh, new ideas and thoughts based on how outcomes happen. 
Last year, I was reminded to not lay off receiving assets that I thought didn't have great quarterbacks because they're still great receiving assets. This year, I realized the value of volume and an NFL designed to be volatile for teams that have for unexpected outcomes every single week, according to the Eagles. Some of that happened just this past week. So, uh, like, it's a crazy league. What isn't crazy? Uh, volume. Consistent players who get consistent volume. That's that's something I want to invest in. Now, Sean McVay has pulled the rug out from under us before. As we saw Cam Akers go down the stretch last season as a top three or four asset for your fantasy team, only to abandon him uh, come the start of this season. I think there was more things going on there than we realized. But beyond that, um, he seems to have found something he likes. And if that's something remains in place and there's nothing changes materially to alter my view of that, like the uh, addition of a huge free agent signing or something, which isn't going to happen at running back also. Um, then yeah, Kyron Williams is exactly what he finished as. He, he and Christian McCaffrey will be the two top two running backs off the board because they get consistent week in and week out volume that allows them to produce at a level higher than every other running back. I think that's the smart and wise way to go about this. Um, you know, even if you look at it, and I, I looked at Brian Baldinger's videos, and I've watched lots of it and done my own videos on this, but the Rams' offensive line has been excellent as a run game, you know, builder. What they do, what their receivers do, they open huge creases for their backs, and Williams has made the most of it. Is he, is he a top 10 talent at the running back position? Hell no. Is he a... Is he worthy of top 10 production with the run game that they have? Absolutely. And if nothing changes along that offensive line um, and with the coaching staff, yep, I'll be taking him as a running back one. Now, what happens if when you said big free agent signing, I think of big back free agent Derrick Henry. There might be one out there. If yes, Derrick Henry joins the Rams next year, are you are you then saying I modified my expectations? That would that would my enthusiasm would diminish noticeably, like uh, fucking noticeably. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel that. Um, yeah, Derrick Henry. Uh, like, I, I don't know that his uh, I don't know that his story has been written yet, right? We'll see. I think he can still play a little bit. I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy that people that the teams trust to be the kind of workhorse that we came to rely on, but a workhorse enough that he'll have some value and uh, and maybe more than people expect. I, I don't know if I would draft him as a like a low-end running back one. I would probably hope to get him like like as one of the dead zone guys next year. Yep. And I think that's entirely possible, right? Like, yeah. you know, and, and, and if I got, I, I wouldn't expect to get a Rashad White-like results, uh, but I didn't get that from a lot of guys said Miles Sanders. So, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so if he falls into that area, I'll be investing in him there. Yeah, I absolutely will be. I am rooting for Derrick Henry to be a Raven. I think Derrick Henry, with Gus Edwards back in the backup role and a little Keaton Mitchell sprinkled in there, um, along with Lamar Jackson, and we might be looking at back-to-back -back Super Bowl champions um, if they can keep things together. And let's not jump ahead of ourselves yet, but, you know. Uh, the Ravens certainly do look really strong. So, well, you know, I am not feeling him as a low and running back one value to draft at that spot, but I see him as a value who could wind up a low end running back one. So, yep, dead zone it is. Ken Walker, 
Now, is he going to be a dead zone back that you find underrated next year? He won't be underrated by me, Bob Harris. Fuck that. I will be overrating him. I think Ken Walker is a great player. And and so and I lean again, you know, we talk about, you know, don't don't uh, divorce the name from the numbers, uh, move away from the narratives, et cetera, et cetera, unless they're all happening. Right. And the narrative for me for the Seahawks is Pete Carroll gets the guy he covets and then he adds another guy and the other guy makes us really nervous about the guy he covets. Well, he's going to keep coveting that guy until he can't covet him anymore. And then he will move on to the new guy and he'll get another guy. Uh, and so, you know, right now, uh, Ken Walker is in the covet spot. And Zach Charbonnet standing by until such time as Pete Carroll can't covet Ken Walker. That happens due to injury almost exclusively going back over the course of time. So my expectation is I'll be reaching a little higher for Kenneth Walker III than other people and feel pretty good about it. Uh, and, uh, and again, you know, injuries happen. I'm not drafting like I'm scared if somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, running backs get a lot of wear and tear and a lot of usage. But he has that super big playability, I think, that is the kind of explosive uh, threat that I want to have. And if I'm getting him as a running back too, especially, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like though, while they're very different players, if you took Ken Walker and put him in a Jets uniform, there we probably fair. have similar uh, um, excitement about that's him fair. as we did with Brees Hall. So, yes, yeah, I'm totally feeling Ken Walker. I'm, I actually think Ken Walker is a more refined runner than Brees Hall. Um, and I'm, I love Brees Hall and what he's, what he has going on in his game. Mike Evans, 11 straight thousand yard seasons. Are we looking at him as a fantasy wide receiver one next year? Cause is he uh, going to be in Tampa next year? Is well, he going to have Baker Mayfield next year? Will he have the goat with him uh, there? <laughs> Baker Mayfield? Uh, <laughs> there. Take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. Um, uh, no. <laughs> Now I'm, just, now I'm just making trouble. I feel uh, like I'm hallucinating uh, from whatever it is you're having me smoke. I'm, making, I'm, making, I'm, I'm just causing trouble now. Okay. Season's over. Fuck, fuck everybody. Uh, I'm seeing I sooners and cops coming um, after me at A&M. If, right. if uh, Evans would, for me, probably be like if I went like running back heavy early and I – found him in the third or I mean he was going later than that this year right and, it, and maybe people buy back in it's all going to be dependent on his circumstances if he remains in Tampa playing with Baker I mean he could be good somewhere else but like sometimes you know these late career moves don't work out for the best so so I'd be a little not you know I'm not going to pay full freight for it then uh, I might pay full freight or a little above going rate if uh, he remains in Tampa because I think going rate will be cheap again yeah I would agree with that Stefan Diggs. Now, is he a wide receiver one next year? Nah, fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be hard, right? Like, this is the this is the real... So, here's the problem with divorcing the name from the numbers. With the name comes a history of numbers, not just the recent numbers. And the numbers we're all paying attention to are the last, what, 10 games where he can't hit 100 yards. All right, so that I'm divorcing his name from those numbers when I'm making lineup decisions last week and this week if I'm still making them. And sorry if that's the case for you. Um, <clears throat> so so I think, though, when you're drafting, you have to step back and take a little bigger look. I think he's probably going to become a value for me because he's going to fall out of the first round. Yep. And he's somebody I'm getting more, you know, if, I, if, if he was there at the 2-3 turn, uh, that would be like, I, I don't know if that will come to pass, but it's possible. You know how people really focus on how it, how it ends or even like a single games 
Gabe Davis would like you to know he is not that guy who destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs two years ago. Yet we drafted him like that all last summer. So so I don't want to like overstate the case. So if he does, if the value drops enough, I'll be super happy to get Stephon Diggs. Because again, divorcing a name from the numbers, but you can't divorce it from the history of numbers. He's a great below ADP candidate, as Adam yes. Hart said would talk about. And, and I'll just say that he is not a fan of white tents. That's about all I'm going to say about that. Um, and Ooh. I think that has something to do with Ooh. his uh, his uh, his numbers probably dropping, um, and maybe he'll be in a happier climate. So there's a story about this that you people don't know. Yes, that's for sure. Christian McCaffrey, Tyree Kill, <clears throat> or C.D. Lamb, who are you feeling number one overall? <clears throat> it's between McCaffrey and Lamb. Okay. For me, in all due respect to Tyreek, I think he'll be perfectly fine. He should be in the conversation, obviously. He is very good, <laughs> and his role is super robust, and you know, there's, a, there's, you know, there's a lot to like there. I think for me, though, C.D. Lamb, like Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be it. You know, again, I'm going to diversify if I get a bunch of first picks overall, and I will because I'm going to draft a lot. Um, but McCaffrey, the workload, the role, the supporting cast, all those things – you know, just add up. It's a confluence of things that make me super excited about him. And I don't think he has he had like. I mean, I don't know if how many how many more seasons does how many seasons does he, does he have of over two hundred carries? It's not like a. I have to bring the numbers up, but I mean, it's not like he's been overused, right? Yeah. So, I'm I'm probably go, I'm a slightly to him. Look, anyone taking C.D. Lamb, just not just you know, the Saturday night game against Detroit this week. But the, the way this offense has evolved uh, and his usage in this offense, I want to say the numbers down the stretch, when I read down his reception totals, it felt more like target totals, right? His role is huge. It, I don't think the associated pieces are that big of a, that important to him. Obviously, you know, Brandon Cooks is a dangerous threat. There are other pieces that will emerge. I don't think it matters. Dak Prescott, I think back to Thanksgiving Day when Dak Prescott told us all on national TV as he gobbled on a big chunk of turkey that this is the most comfortable he's ever felt in an offense. This is a difference for him. I, you know, I thought the move from Kellen Moore would not be as great because of the Mike McCarthy stories we heard as he left Green Bay that he checked out and not interested and Aaron Rodgers was setting the game plan and whatnot. This is a more engaged Mike McCarthy then because this is offense has really worked out well and Dak Prescott's super comfortable with it and has a weapon like CeeDee Lamb. I'm going to be all about that. So McCaffrey won for me, Lamb to Tyreek Hill after that. Yeah, I mean, could we could we just be looking at this and saying, oh, you mean Aaron Rodgers got us bored because basically he took over duties at Mc and McCarthy was like, why am I going to not let the elite quarterback be involved in setting all of this? And, and I don't want to micromanage the dude, let him do it. Maybe he went a little too far in that direction. And now he's rebounding in a level that's, you know, it's great. But yeah, there's no wrong answer to me with McCaffrey, Hill, or Lamb. Um, I like that you split it apart, though. I'd probably put Hill a little bit higher, even though he's the oldest of the two. So if you're looking from the age standpoint, yeah, maybe, you know, you want Lamb as your easiest bet with the most future there. I would probably argue, though, that Hill at the points per game that he was at and with one game missed being a little bit banged up. I mean, he was on path to have a record-breaking year I, at one point. It's true. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, it. And, like, you can't be – I mean, nobody can – He no, he's unbeatable when he's open on the deep routes. I mean, because he is faster than everybody. But CeeDee Lamb, 
it hit me in the, in the, against Detroit, and maybe it was the coverage, but those crossing routes when he's running out of the slot, you have as good a chance of stopping those as teams had stopping Devontae Adams on those bubble screens oh, yeah. near the goal line in Green Bay. I mean, they're just they're going to work. He's yeah. going to get he's going to rack up tons of numbers uh, in that way. So I like him an awful lot. And I get I, and I get it. He's an old school wide receiver one, if you ask me, because he can do everything. He can he can play all three positions at an extremely high level, and he does the dirty work, and he can win after the catch. I have no arguments with any of those guys. Who, Whatever your favorite flavor is, go for it. Um, all right, so let's play a quick little game of we're going to hang on to these aging veterans or are we going to hang them up? Saying, uh, you know, in terms of thinking of them as fantasy starters in 2024. If you, you know, if you see, do you see James Conner as a player worth hanging on as I view him as a starter or I'm hanging it up next year? Uh, I'm hanging on. And I'm hoping he's super cheap. Uh, okay, let's let me clarify. Say the James Conner I've seen the last month, that James Conner can still play football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we this was he. There were some Steelers fans I knew, one who you talked with on X today, who thought he was toast like multiple years ago. I the one thing I'll say, I just got to say this. I did a scouting report on Old Sigmund Bloom this weekend from seeing the the worst world's worst workout with him and Travel Gaines and Cecil Lammy. And I will say Cecil Bloom or you know Sigmund Your Bloom I did um, Sigmund like Bloom joined them. Yeah, joined like Benifer. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sigmund Bloom can take a hit. So, you know, when I'm banging on him, I do it out of love. So but but yeah, I know that he was ready for Connor to be gone. I think that, you know, Connor's still got life in him. So I'm hanging on. Though I think Michael Carter is that that value pick you sure. want you want you some michael carter how about aaron jones you hanging on a little bit he can yeah. still play too right i mean yeah. he, he can still play he's got again you know there's going to be people who fear the injury issues and so he's going to be way cheaper than he should be based on his production but also he should be because look, the reality is like i'm not like stupid i'm injury agnostic not stupid he does he gets beat up a lot and he's an older player so I don't want to like invest high in capital in him, but I want to invest at the right price. And and obviously his role will remain robust when he's uh, in the locked and upright position. And he's a valuable asset to that team. And I think Matt Lafleur knows that. And when we bring, if we bring in a, someone under thirty five to to do the show with us, I'm sure we'll get different answers. But we all believe in 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 fine wines here. So Cooper Cup, you know, hanging on, hang it up. Uh, you know, he's not going to hang it up, but I'm not hanging on. Like I was the big Cooper Cup stand of the year this this season. I had him as my wide receiver one. Me too. I think it was perfectly defensible. Uh, that we had that. Also, perfectly understandable that you know he missed a lot of time. Look, this is not about the injury. This is about the people around him, in particular Puka Nakua, who turns out is very good. Um, and I think you know, if at the very least, it caps you know that high end role that we saw Cup you know, emerges the fantasy's wide receiver one for the period that he did, right? Things change. There is an evolution and, and part of this evolution. And, and I do think, you know, Matthew Stafford has impressed me and I think there'll be a lot of meat on the fantasy bone there for all involved. Uh, but I don't think, I think Cup's days of being that true alpha in that offense, that dominant force are, are over and, and you should draft accordingly. Yeah, I like that idea. Devontae Adams. 
Does it depend where, where he goes? goes? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on where he goes. There we go. I think we got our answer on that. If it's green and white, ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about... Or what if it's what if it's gold and white? Gold? Yeah. White? Gold and Who's white. That? Who's or gold? gold and black? Gold black. Oh, it's with the epaulets? No. Gold. Oh, come on now. All right. Am I am I colorblind? What am I missing? Okay. New Orleans. Oh, that. Yeah, you're probably righter than I am. I don't I don't okay. pay attention. Okay. Um back with his back with the guy he wanted to play with to begin with maybe yeah maybe yeah maybe if he's a replacement for mike thomas but i think mike thomas he should be on this list down the line we'll do we'll approach that later keenan allen uh, uh he, he he's not hang, I, no, nobody hang up anything on him yeah it's crazy if you do travis kelsey <clears throat> his days of being a first round pick are now well behind him. So as the values, uh, I'll see where the values lie. Uh, I think it's not a 0% possibility that the injury that he suffered to start the year has not been a factor over the course of the entire season. Yeah. Um, you know, he never seemed quite right. So maybe if he drops enough, I'll still be interested, but he might not, he might not drop far enough. All right. Are you, well, bonus question. Are you feeling this tinfoil hat theory? He's hawking himself like immediate like basically a marketing hoe all this all right now because he know it's nearing the end he's he's grabbing as much money as he possibly can because he know he's probably not going to ever be healthy enough to be what he once was i think that's a i mean i think we're all in that same boat <laughs> see there we go <laughs> good see i i like how you like you basically destroyed the tinfoil hat by being nice about it. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So second, I rolled it up and threw it for my cat to play with. That's right. See, very deft. Um, second year quarterbacks, you know, we talk about CJ Stroud, but do, should we, when we look at these guys, should we have a little more caution with them because of the fact that it's, you know, teams tend to adjust or are you, are you more on the standpoint of, you know, no, you know, listen, it, based on what I saw last year, that's enough. No blanket statements here. It's going to depend on the individual involved. I think it like for CJ Stroud, I'm perfectly fine with him. Anthony Richardson, I haven't even seen it. Maybe I just haven't seen enough to scare me off. Right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the, the truth of it. Bryce, Bryce Young. Young uh, I don't know. I'm afraid his owner will throw a drink at me if I say anything bad. So I'm going to pipe down. <laughs> Well, I hope it's a good drink because, I, you know, that would at least it would be. So I'm going to just, uh, it's been like, what, 15, 20 minutes since I've been on my soapbox. Yeah. Allow me, please. Yes. Uh, briefly to climb up and say, NFL. NFL that takes entire game checks from football players for making football plays on a weekly basis. If you do not punish this guy severely for treating your guests at your stadium like they were trash, then you're as hypocritical as everyone claims you are. So you're on notice. Show me something with this Tepper thing. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, there should be no happy endings here. You know, Robert Kraft. All right. So, all right. What about Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson? Do you think there's a chance? Are you feeling there's a chance that Joe Flacco could be the starter in Cleveland next <laughs> year? What would it take for that to happen? 
I think I think we've I've seen enough, but <laughs> I don't know. That, I'm not I'm not the one on the hook for 230 million dollars. So uh, you know, look, at some point you have to just acknowledge what's going on in front of you. As I told people to play Joe Flacco last Thursday against the New York Football Jets, even without Amari Cooper, because it turns out Joe Flacco is the piece that Kevin Stefanski has needed to run the offense he's wanted to run. Browns have been crazy run heavy, right, since Kevin Stefanski got there. Why did they hire him away from the Minnesota Vikings so he could hand the ball off to somebody? No, he was an innovative offensive mind who had a great scheme that was, was fantastic. We have seen how that can work now with Joe Flacco unlocking that. Like, I don't know if the financial politics will allow it to happen, uh, but it should. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I... I just want to take it one game at a time with Flacco right now. But what we do see is, and I think the hidden value of this question, because I've seen this discussed a little in different places, is, you know, is Kevin Stefanski great? You know, is Joe Flacco great? Or is it Tom Cable is an amazing offensive line coach who's working with, you know, secondary pieces and making it such a a good enough offensive line that, you're still running the ball reasonably well without Nick Chubb and giving Joe Flacco enough protection to read the whole field and use his secondary receivers in a manner that Watson or even Baker Mayfield didn't do a good job of in the past. So, yeah. Make, make no mistake, this is flop from a run-heavy offense to a pass-first offense, yeah. and they dominate time of possession even at that, right? They, yeah. This is this is the offense Kevin Stefanski, the, the, the super smart guy, uh, was brought on to do, but hasn't had the quarterback to pull off. Yeah, I mean, the court, I thought Deshaun Watson is a quarterback choice. You know, now that we see what Stefanski's offense should have looked like, it was just an awful choice, and he got saddled with a... It feels like David Tepper Jr. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Haslam. Uh, yeah, Flying J. Yeah, Mr. Flying J. Yeah, yeah, somebody call the IRS um, or the feds. Man. You know, maybe they could just uh, somebody already has. Maybe they could have a steel cage match like uh, Elon and and Zuckerberg. You know, somebody already has. Call yeah, right. Feds. MMA fight, whatever. Lamar Jackson, quarterback one next year. Like I don't have any. I have like zero arguments for why he should not should not be <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> like consistent, you know. Consistent high-end production is the thing we're looking for. I will think, you know, I mean, like the detractors will say what? Uh, the, the, he has the fewest touchdown passes of any MVP candidate in how many years? Whatever. Uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not one of the detractors, so I'm not saying that. Uh, but he's, he's going to be higher up in the mix than he was this year for sure. Yeah, somebody who says that obviously doesn't watch what defenses have done and what they've done to <laughs> limit me. downfield scoring um, and – and vertical football over the past several years because there's a correlation to that um, most likely with his scoring or with the scoring of players um, at the quarterback position and two high defenses. So, yeah, absolutely. So is there anybody hotter at running back next year as an emerging option than Zamir White? Are we going to be looking at Zamir White as the the fantasy? Are you going to be... Are you going to be that guy that if you were looking over sleeper lists, editing like different fantasy um, analysts, that you would be like, we have way too much Zamir White here. Like everyone's touting Zamir White like it's like the hottest thing that nobody knows about, <laughs> but everyone knows about. 
the one where it feels like the momentum is built so far one way. Like I do this during the like every week of football being on the radio and doing live streams you answer a bunch of questions and zamir white is a prime example this week every question was zamir white or zamir white or and a lot of the (laughs) options were the same options but you answer the same thing every time you talk yourself into the fact like i'm gonna like if this goes south i'm gonna be run out of the damn industry right because i mean you'll sit there and i i literally answered a hundred questions about zamir white with the answer being zamir white um that being said i answer a lot of questions the same because there's one there's an answer right and that's why you keep saying it over and over you can't help it if people don't hear you the first time so yes i think zamir white will be a guy that i'm well maybe some of this depends on antonio pierce who seems like here's what you've got to like about antonio pierce he wants to keep that job and he's smart enough to know how to keep it right i think for those reasons alone he should keep that job mark davis if you're sitting at the barber right now getting you that fantastic style worked on uh you should t- listen to my words and take heed because you we've seen this movie before and uh, there is reporting a, <laughs> there is reporting that he likes the big name guys antonio pierce is a big name guy yeah. right just tell yourself that and you'll be fine look the team is responding to him but also he is going to play up to the strengths of you know the defense is going to be ferocious and the running game is going to be the forefront of his attack and josh jacobs will be playing elsewhere yeah, I mean, look, Mark, you almost had success and you fucked it up the first time. Let's see if you don't do it a second time by by getting rid of Antonio Pierce. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody hotter than Zamir White right now, though. I would love Adam Harstead's chaos theory of if we want the most chaotic outcome as possible, this would be the second time that he burns overzealous fantasy analysts who who are way in way too early on white than they should be but i think there's better re- reasons now um than there was la- um last year i'll put it that way i'm triggered yeah yep exactly so what about you know we've had some change you know we got a new year you know happy new year to everybody out there um you know as 2023 came to a close obviously some things we have changes some things that are fortunate some things not always as fortunate but just life you know part of yes. part of the cycle so you know bob i, I want to give you the opportunity to share um you know some news especially yeah. you know as a friend of our industry long time friend and and stalwart in this <clears throat> industry yeah evil cadillac who i've worked with on a daily basis for 30 years now at fantasy sports publication and football diehard says it was diagnosed with cancer early this as the season started and uh has been undergoing chemotherapy throughout the year and you know trying to keep up with everything and it's been difficult. So, uh, but you know, we got through the season and everything is, you know, he is still hanging in there and getting the treatment, but it's been the taxing, right? So he's going to st- step down to uh, focus on his treatments and his family. So footballdiehards.com, the website I've applied my trade at will no longer be doing that. And you know, we'll see what happens with the future of the magazines. I think there's a sale possible and, and, you know, someone may take it, whether it's the same titles, the pro forecast, which has been around for 30 years, right? He founded, fantasy sports publication in 1990 and the pro forecast was published that first year and has been published continuously for the 34 years since then um and so you know and if you guys don't know emil you know things that emil has done that you do to this day right like so the first ever best ball uh draft was a concept that emil dreamed up we were doing this fan x league all the experts were in there no one had time to manage the leagues but we wanted more drafts so he called it we called it a draft master back then right but that's best ball that's the 
first one I, we have it documented in 1998 so that was fantastic emo's been a huge huge proponent of of learning the history he and i wrote an article i think is a definitive article on the history uh of uh of, of fantasy football right and i think there's been some you know thoughts from a long time of how it developed well it developed in 1960 early 1960 61 uh, it was called the Goppel, the Greater Oakland Pigskins Prognosticator League. And we wrote an article on this. And Emil did all the legwork, tracked down. And Bill Winkenbaugh, who he had, drove into the fantasy uh, FSGA, FSTA Hall of Fame as this role. I mean, he's just been pushing this. Loves the history, loves to document the history. Also co-founded the World Championship of Fantasy Football, which was the first high-stakes fantasy yeah. football event ever. So now those are pretty ubiquitous. Uh, he had the first one ever. I uh, done tons of stuff like that, right? Like over the course of time, we've gone from we went from one magazine to four magazines, had the widest distribution of anybody in the fantasy industry. So uh, we started he and I together with a couple others started the FSWA, the the Sports Writers Association for the Fantasy Writers Association. And uh, he was inserted in the Hall of Fame for that in 2011. More recently, he went into the FSTA and FSGA Hall of Fame. Uh, so, so yeah, so he'll be stepping aside, and uh, there'll, there'll be more for me coming. The radio show will continue as is. It'll be the, the football diehards kind of has become a brand of self, and there'll be more announcements coming about the rest of it. But for now, uh, you know, the focus on Emil, and uh, if you'd like to, you know, help him out as he moves into the uncertainty that is ahead, uh, there is a GoFundMe. You can hit that up on my Twitter feed at football diehard. It's pinned at the top of the page. And uh, if, if you can't afford money, that's not a problem. You can share it. That's fantastic. Would appreciate anything. Or just send him a message of support. He would love it. And uh, and uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a nicer guy and uh, and uh, and a bigger part of our industry. So uh, uh, wishing him Godspeed and, uh, and, and in his future. Certainly we all do, you know. I mean, I, I, I've always been proud to, to have been a part of, of the magazines. <laughs> For the past 19 years, 20 yep. years, it's been, I think it's been 20, 21 years, maybe. I don't know. It's been over 20. Yeah. And, and okay, it was a big, and, but it's been a big deal. It was a big deal. I mean, I remember, you know, as a, someone who just loved fantasy football and reading about all the things that, that Emil was a, a part of or started, um, getting a chance to write at that magazine was always a big career milestone. Like, you know, okay, I'm on my way. I might, you know, I might be able to establish, um, you know, a name in this industry enough to be able to do steady work, you know, and that's, so, I mean, uh, you know, that's someone, you know, he's a big part of, he's a big part of a lot of people who share that same story, you know? Yeah. And so it's a, you know, when you can create concepts that create jobs, Right. right, you know that's right. a and big deal. Lots of careers. I wanted to think, you know, the the list of names of people who we had in the magazines over the years. I mean, it's it's everybody. Yeah, it's everybody. Right? Mike Clay, <laughs> Mike Clay, Dwayne Matthew Barry, yeah. Dwayne. Uh, we've had ever, Joe Bryant, uh, uh, Marcus Grant has been an annual contributor in recent years. Brad Evans. I mean, the, Jamie Eisenberg. The list goes on. Harmon, and on. I think, even did Harman, some stuff. Yeah. Yep, Harmon did wrote many articles. I mean, it was just like, uh, and and that was the thing. He all, you know, he always told me, man, go out and find the best guys. One of the things, you know, you get in these, you get in situations where you have a company, you want to focus on your company. We wanted to focus on everybody. We were all bringing all the ideas. There was no, you know, he was never back off of that like okay well we have a staff to well we use our staff too but 
that doesn't mean other people don't have great ideas and we want to hear those ideas and incorporate them into what we do and and uh he went a long way towards that so it's been a fantastic run you know this is not how anyone wanted it to uh, you know to to stop and uh and certainly not him but uh but this is where we're at right now so uh <clears throat> you know i can look back i've got a stack of magazines behind me as you can see over my shoulder uh i have a bigger stack up in the attic of too. every single one, every <laughs> single one that we went in over the course of the years. I, I started with him in 1993, three years into the thing. So it's been 30 years for me of uh, of working on, on a daily basis with him, and it's been fantastic. And uh, and you know, and everything that goes with that, you know, the the disagreements, the agreements, the joys, the the highs, the lows, all of that, uh, you know, and, and just the fact that it's been 30 years and we're still doing it or still haven't added up to this point is, you know, tells you about where it's all at. Yeah. Well, I, you know, certainly, you know, again, for folks, if you want to donate to this GoFundMe football diehards page. Yep. At football diehard or go to the football diehards.com website. There's a link there. Yep. So just, you know, again, that would be, that'd be a wonderful gift and a, and a nice token of appreciation for yep. someone who's had an awesome career. Um, and you, you know, <clears throat> you can be helpful in that regard on that front, you know, hopefully we have, you know, we got a lot of good things on the horizon for the new <laughs> year. And, uh, you know, we're certainly going to hope to be a part of that. Um, and you know, as two grumpy old or middle-aged yeah. men, depending on how you want to, you look at it, you know, if you're 30, you're, you're a puppy. <laughs> so you may look at us as old, so that's okay. You pups out there. Um, have a good new year. Have a good week. And we will probably see you next week. Yep. Love, Love you. Bye. bye.